0: is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, gotta tell ya, once again, real estate is the hottest topic in the news, at least in our ballpark... You're tuned in to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and lots to talk about today. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the hour, I've got minutes with the mayor, and joining me is the mayor of the town of Orangeville, and it is Mr. Jeremy D. Williams. He'll be joining me in a little while, and uh, interestingly enough, you know, Orangeville is one of those areas that a lot of people are not that familiar with. You know, A lot of people pass through it on Highway 10 going up to, let's say, Collingwood, Barrie, uh, a little bit north of Caledon there, but interesting stuff going on up there. Lots of development and, you know, really a nice community. So we are going to be uh, talking with the minute, the uh, Mayor on our Minutes with the Mayor in a little while. And uh, have you been following what happened this past week at uh, Young and St. Clair with the uh, Badminton and Racquet Club of Toronto? Well... Does it uh, make you pause or have a little bit of concern for condominiums, considering with all the water that ended up flowing out after that fire? You know what? Here's the thing. Is condominium insurance going to go up? over the next little while. Well, I'm going to bring in an expert, Michael Applebaum from Ideal Insurance Brokers. He's going to be joining me, and we're going to be talking about insurance and condominiums. And, you know, a lot of you have heard me say the sky is falling in Toronto. And what I mean by that, of course, is a lot of the plate glass that comes out of some of these buildings, and eventually when it smashes down onto the earth, it does create a little bit of an expense. But what happens if somebody actually gets hurt or injured or, for that matter, killed from something like this? I'm going to put it to Michael. I want to find out, is it going to be expensive for insurance? According to uh, some reports, it's getting harder and harder for condominiums to get insurance, in fact, in the downtown core. And we're going to talk about that because it's really important for you to know. Also, what about this report coming through the Star this week? Uh, I don't know if any of you tuned in to Jerry Agar on Thursday morning. Uh, I was on with him, and we're talking about this thing called a bubble. That's right, that uh, six-letter word, and everybody has been trying to predict a bubble in the Toronto real estate market for years. In fact, some economists every single year bring out the fact that it's this year is the year of the bubble, we're going to burst, we're going to burst, we're going to burst. Well, I have a real problem with this whole report, and quite frankly, I'm going to call it a whole bunch of hooey to the fact that these people have to get their heads around one thing, just because Inventory drops, and inventory is not the indication when it drops of a bubble. It's normally an economic downturn, too much supply, something major has to happen to create a bubble. Fortunately, uh, somebody that is agreeing with my opinion on this is former Toronto Real Estate Board President Diane Usher. And uh, she stated this week, actually, in the Toronto Star article that, uh, you know, uh, compared to other world markets, Toronto is still good value. And I know a lot of you are sitting there saying, hey, Todd, hang on. I can't buy in Toronto right now. It's so expensive. Well, you know what you should do? Go online just for fun and Google some properties for sale in New York, San Francisco, Boston, uh, Tokyo. You know, some of the areas that are deemed world markets. And you'd be surprised. You get absolutely nothing for the price that we pay here in Toronto. And listen, I'm not agreeing that we should be forcing the prices up. This is an inventory plate. We are struggling with it. But the, we got to stop screaming bubble just because we see things such as inventory drop, prices go up. Well, that's called supply and demand. I don't know if it, many of you went through Christmas with the whole Hatchimal craze. And, uh, you know, I've got a young daughter. And fortunately, I avoided that one because she, she didn't even have a Hatchimal on her radar. But there was a lot of people that did. So, this little animal for $70 that you could buy back in September all of a sudden started getting $1,000, $2,000 come Christmas, so supply and demand. The company didn't build enough of these things. So, everybody that bought them up all of a sudden say, Hey, I can sell it and buy my kids better toys. So, that's what ended up happening. Now, of course, you know, a company will turn around and now they can build a lot more. And now the price is going to go back to normal. And if you want to buy a hatchling for around uh, Easter time, you probably pay a, re- a regular price on it. Well, Here's the problem with the Toronto real estate market. We can't do that. Okay, right now we are infill only. We can only build at a certain rate. There's only so many building permits issued. You know, we keep looking at the, uh, the, the skyline and we see lots of cranes. But have you ever noticed how long a vacant piece of property will sit there? So it's not like we're all of a sudden going to have this surge where we turn around and say, hey, let's get three building crews going this week, uh, you know, throughout the night, go 24 hours. We're going to build more so we can take, get rid of this demand. It's not going to happen. In fact, reality states the fact that we are not going to have an oversupply of inventory in Toronto. With the current amount of people that are migrating, immigrating, coming into the area, you know what? There's always going to be a demand. And so this is why we have to keep a re- a realistic look at the values that we're establishing right now in Toronto. I don't think we're going to keep at the same rate uh, right now. Uh year over year in January, the balanced numbers, 22.6% over last year, increase in pricing. That's a big nut. In fact, that's a little bit too much. I think it's too aggressive, but we've got some outer markets playing here where people are finally realizing, hey, listen, we're going to go to the outer markets and again, supply and demand. So right now, our biggest thing is that we need to be able to free up the builders, free up some extra land, get more inventory into the marketplace and all of a sudden we'll see a stabilization. Now, of course, things could change. Government could intervene as they have in so many other parts of our life. I'm pretty sure everybody heard what's going on with taxes in Toronto. You know, of course, you've got the double land transfer tax. We've got all sorts of issues that that people are looking at and they're saying, hey, we're just getting taxed to death. So we have to look at things and say, okay, are we going to the outer markets? Is it cheaper to live in the 905? Well, it is for brick and mortar and land right now. You know, from a tax perspective, yes, the property taxes are higher in the 905, but they also, you don't get dinged with a double land transfer tax in the 905. It was thrown out there, actually, for a little while, and they talked about it. And sure enough, uh, you know, powers to be were a lot smarter than, let's say, some of the provincial mandators, and they decided not to double it up. Uh, Good call, by the way. I'll give the municipalities props on that. Glad they stepped in and actually controlled what was going on. But back to this bubble, you know, talking about some of the numbers that are floating around, When we see prices going up, like I said, in that 20 25% range, um, how about Guelph? You know, uh, not far drive down the 401 17%, Greater Vancouver 15%, Regina 3.78, Ottawa 3.67, Greater Montreal 3%. So, you know what? This is not being felt throughout Canada. A little surprised that you know, some of the adjustments, uh, Greater Vancouver. Year over year, January wasn't their top month. What we're going to keep our eye on for sure is going to be the April May numbers coming out of Vancouver. We're going to be able to determine, you know. Uh, did the foreign buyer tax really hurt them as much as everybody thought, or did people just decide not to buy? Hey, listen, the other part also uh, of the idea of foreign buyer, I'd like to uh, I'd like to put a put a, a congratulations out to Mayor Frank Scarpetti. We had him on as a guest a couple weeks ago. Uh, awesome to have him on the Mayor of the Minutes, sorry Minutes with the Mayor, and I really appreciate um, Mr. Scarpetti joining us. Markham uh, says that Ontario says no to foreign buyer tax, uh, which is good. So they actually, um, the Markham City Council voted down a motion calling on the provincial government to introduce a foreign buyer's tax. Uh, Mayor Scarpiti was one of those who voted against the motion, which was rejected eight to four after a debate that lasted through 12 delegations in approximately three hours. Um, I agree with this. And, you know, we have to be very careful that we don't do a knee-jerk reaction. We do need foreign investment. I think that the occupancy is very important. But one thing I think everybody should be aware of when we talk about these foreign investments that are being done is the fact that they're not exiting. You know, they, they're they not gauging that the market is going to, you know, eventually collapse, so they're trying to get profit. And as most of you who've tuned in here on any regular basis, you'll know that I'm a big fan that if you've got foreign investment, meaning that they're not paying taxes right here in Toronto, then ideally um, what you do is you tax them on the way out, not on the way in. There's nothing wrong with people having some ownership, but it's if they're going to profit from that ownership, and that's where the foreign buyers, I think... You know, this is something that, you know, if uh, Kathleen Wynne and her government wanted to introduce, that if you exit within a five-year period, you pay a higher tax, they already do, but I think even a higher tax, then, you know, the second thought, so maybe it slows down a little bit of that, but does not squash the market. And again, Vancouver really stepped in it. They turned around and they jammed that foreign buyer tax through in basically five days, and they left a lot of people hanging that were already sold and waiting for the closing, and people just walked. On them, not a good thing. So, speaking of um, of not a good thing, I wonder how the owner of that property in Toronto that just got a ten thousand dollar fine, he used agency like Airbnb to find tenants. So, the thing that's happening right now is that there are certain areas, certain buildings that can mandate, especially under condominium law, by the way, they can mandate that you cannot do something with your condominium. And that does supersede some of the other rules and regulations from the LTB, which is the Landlord-Tenant Board. So, for instance, a condominium can turn around and tell you that you are not allowed to have a dog, for instance, or you can only have such a big dog. So this is what condominium uh, rules can do. Now, what happens if the condominium says that you are not allowed? to rent out a property. Can it be enforced? Well, under condominium law, you actually it can be enforced and you can get fined. Um, they can't make you sell your property, but you can definitely pay some hefty fines. And this is what happened. Uh, now, this was in a residential area, but the area was grandfathered that they weren't allowed to do what they did. $10,000 fine. I wonder how much they got that week for their A, B and B rental. Well, one of the reasons why is people turning it basically into a party house and they had a lot of problems. So nobody wants that. That moving into the neighborhood and I understand that 100%. So that makes a lot of sense. So one of those things that we've got to be careful with is whenever we are dealing with stuff like this, we've got to make sure we know all the rules and regulations and keep that in mind. So like I said, got some great guests that are going to be joining me this hour. Again, we've got the mayor of Orangeville, Mr. Jeremy D. Williams. He'll be joining me in a little while. And on top of that, I'm going to have Michael Applebaum from Ideal Insurance. Are you curious? Are your insurance rates going up with your company? Well, you know what? You'll find out more when we come back right after this.
0: Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And
1: welcome back to the show. As I'd mentioned a little bit earlier, what happens when you have a major catastrophe happen near your condominium building? Does it reflect on your insurance if things have to be repaired because of that? And what about falling glass in some of these buildings? What if somebody gets hurt? Injured, killed, or something like that. So instead of me guessing at it, I decided to bring in an expert, and uh, it is Mr. Michael Applebaum from Ideal Solution Insurance Brokers. And, Michael, thanks for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Michael, you know, uh, obviously we saw this week big, big in the news. Young and St. Clair Badminton Racquet (laughs) Club of Toronto went up. But there was a lot of runoff, things like water, you know, the ac- people needing access in some of these condominium buildings. You know, maybe you and I can, can talk about today condominium insurance. First and foremost, you know, we, all, we know that condominiums must have insurance, but who pays for this and what ends up happening in the long run?
2: Mm-hmm. It's a, a very good question. People don't think about this when you uh, you see these big fires like this. People look on the news and they see smoke billowing into neighboring properties, and they see dozens of hoses spraying thousands of gallons of water. And, and so you're right. What happens to all the properties that are affected by this, but not directly, but indirectly by all of uh, all of these things? You also have an issue not only of smoke and water damage, but you, like you said, you've also got uh, the city fire department closing access to buildings. The immediate concern for condo owners who are living in their units, and for tenants is, where am I going to stay? So you often see sometimes there'll be a fire in a building and people are displaced. Well, for those who have purchased condo insurance or tenants insurance, they'll have coverage on their policy called additional living expenses. It steps in if the property or the unit is deemed unfit for occupancy due to an insured peril. So in this case, if smoke had been billowing in through uh, openings and, and the unit was deemed unfit or you're on a lower level and water had penetrated your unit and it just, the insurer said you can't live here, uh, that coverage will provide coverage for you to stay in a hotel. It may cover other related expenses for you to live elsewhere while it's being repaired. Uh, some of these, depending on the insurer, will even go as far as to pay some meals sometimes temporary gym memberships or even maintenance fees for your condo that you're not living in. Right. This is one of the reasons... Condo owners will always have condo insurance. Um, it's often required, as, particularly by the mortgagee, right. but tenants often don't think about this.
1: You know, a lot of tenants, we work with a lot of investors, and you know, in, in most cases, a lot of people aren't aware that they can ask a tenant for their tenant insurance slip. If the tenant does not have tenant insurance and the tenant has to be moved out because of this precarious situation, then is the tenant then responsible for covering their own expenses, or do they come back on the landlord and say, hey, I'm paying you rent, so you need to pay for it?
2: That's a good question. This is a very common misconception. Tenants often think, well, I'm paying for rent, so my landlord will take care of me. And in fact, that's not the case. The tenant is on their own. The landlord is responsible for making sure that they have their own policy to cover any betterments and improvements that they've made to their unit and for liability relating to the use of the unit. Right. But the tenant does have to cover their own personal property, their own liability coverage, and their own things like additional living expenses. Right. So a landlord can and absolutely should require a tenant to provide proof of insurance every year to make sure that this doesn't become an issue. The other thing I'll mention is there's also in that additional living expense there's typically coverage for uh, if access is prohibited by a civil authority. So some of these buildings may not have been damaged, but the fire department said it's a dangerous scene, you cannot come in here. Right. And it may be one day, it could be a week.
1: Yeah, they, um, they did mention, I think some people are able to occupy, but they at least lost one or two nights.
2: Yeah, and so if they had to go stay in a hotel if they had to go to a restaurant, if they had to go farther than usual to get to work, things like that, their insurer may pick up those costs under the additional living expense. But it is a very common misconception of tenants that the landlord will cover all of these things.
1: So, Michael, let's let's talk about something that I think is in the future of condominiums and is, a, and is a concern, and I alluded to it when I began, was the fact that, you know, we've got issues with some of these bigger buildings, some of these newer buildings, you know, you, I'm sure you hear of it mm-hmm. with, you know, the, the glass dropping, Definitely. you know, and unfortunately, you know, not to be a bearer of bad news, there's going to be a time where somebody will get probably severely injured or even perhaps killed. You know, this for the condominium insurance, and and again, uh, you know, we know that it's, there are struggles for people getting condominium insurance. And is this going to be something in the future where, you know, maybe some buildings just can't get insured or is there going to be, you know, major lawsuits against the actual condominium courts?
2: That's an interesting question. It has definitely already happened. Now, we have to Understand the difference between the unit owner and the condo corp. So the unit owner's insurance is responsible for their unit, their personal property, their personal liability. Right. Uh, the condo corpse insurance insures the actual building, so all of the uh, common areas, the physical building, basically the walls right. until the paint. And yeah, there are a lot of markets that uh, used to compete quite a bit for insuring condo buildings and it's very difficult to come by now in fact a lot of the specialty markets so not your kind of what we would call your standard markets uh, have stepped in and are now offering coverage through uh, specialty insurers for condo buildings right and the number one cause of loss is water damage you know they say i know we saw a big fire but water is the new fire as they say sure the second uh, most common that you alluded to is liability it's not just your slip and falls but it's windows and railings falling off of buildings and and things like that.
1: And so when we look at that, so, so everybody has a good understanding is the condominium fees that you pay, when you own a condominium, you're actually a percentage owner of the condominium. So you're part and parcel of the condominium because you own the one unit, which means you're responsible for the condominium fees that are being paid for your actual unit. In fact, if you don't pay your condominium fees, then they can actually put a lien against your property. So if insurance rates go up, then that's going to affect adversely your condominium fees.
2: It could absolutely. I mean you may see you could see uh, certain buildings that you know if you're in a building that's not terribly well maintained or maybe it's a new building built by a, a builder who's had issues before. Um, you could see your condo fees uh, go up significantly to account for these increases in premiums.
1: Right, or a special assessment or something, sure.
2: Well, a special assessment would come up in the event that there was a loss sure. where the uh, condo corp did not have sufficient insurance to cover the loss. Um, and yeah, that can definitely be an issue too. So any condo owner's policy would have some coverage for special assessments.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Well, listen, Michael, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. I greatly appreciate it. We definitely would like to have you back My and, and talk more about it. And It's been a real pleasure. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, that was Mr. Michael Applebaum from Ideal Solution Insurance Brokerage. And when I come back, minutes with the mayor. I've got the Orangeville mayor, Mr. Jeremy D. Williams, joining me. So stay with us. Right back, right after this.
0: You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: And welcome back. Great information from Michael Applebaum there. I hope that everybody caught what he was saying when we start talking about tenant insurance. You know, I don't think a lot of people that rent realize how important it is for them to have their own insurance policy. But as Michael had uh, mentioned, when you have insurance, uh, it takes care of you and your personal effects. When your landlord has insurance it just simply means that if the kitchen uh, goes up in flames it gets replaced it takes care of the actual shell of the unit so keep in mind you are responsible for your own insurance in situations like this if there was damage to your goods The landlord's not going to be responsible. So for all of our tenants listening, I really hope that you caught that. This week, what is really cool is that uh, we're going to do an extension of our segment of Minutes with the Mayor. I would think most of you have heard of Orangeville, beautiful town just north of the city. Highway 10, great pass to get up there if you're on your way up to Collingwood. Most of you have driven through it over the years. And uh, joining me now is Mayor of Orangeville, Mr. Jeremy D. Williams, and Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Todd, for inviting me here. It's a great time to be here. You know, I always like to do a lot of homework on, on some of the marketplaces, but I've known Orangeville for years. Uh, you know, I've been always heading north uh, on, on a Cottager and always, you know, a pleasure going up through the hills and, and, and valleys of Highway 10 there. And it's a very scenic area. It is. It's beautiful, you know, and I don't know, you know, if people really
3: take advantage of some of the vistas that you have up there. It's really quite incredible. We have such beautiful nature around us, and that's one of the things about Orangeville, that is truly unique. You know, we're close enough to the city, we're close enough to Brampton, to Mississauga, that if you've got to go to the city, you're there. It's like 30, 40 minutes away, yep. and yet you're surrounded by this incredible biosphere. Uh, we have Island Lake that's literally right on our doorstep, the Bruce Trail. There's so many outdoor activities, yep. and yet we have all the things that you would need to live. You know, we've, we've got the Home Depots and, and the Walmarts. We're kind of a regional hub for shopping. The things that we have in our town are... Are not what you'd expect in a town of thirty thousand restaurants. We have so many restaurants that have been featured on "You've Got to Eat Here" and another. They're that good, and yet we're just a small community of thirty thousand. When you take a look at Orangeville, it's got a small town feel to it, as as you mentioned. Very much. But more importantly,
1: now you've you're definitely coming into you know the new level of you know shopping, and then literally on the outskirts, you know there's a place like Mono Mills, and you know I don't know if a lot of our listeners
3: have been there, but spectacular. It's not far from you at all? And it is, and and this is not just a biased mayor saying about how great their town is. You know, the urban planners of Canada decided to have a competition, and they wanted to look at all of Canada to see what was the best street in in all of Canada. So we're talking about some very picturesque Atlantic uh, towns all sure. the way to British Columbia. Yep. And there was, uh, there was two aspects of this competition. One was kind of a people's choice, which we won. And the other one, we had 12 very talented, very knowledgeable urban planners who looked straight across Canada, and they determined that Orangeville had the prettiest, the best, nice. So it was voted the best street in all of Canada. Wow. And, and that just speaks to, you know, that's not my bias as a mayor. This is all across Canada. This is a truly unique, wonderful town. And I wish our, our
1: listeners could actually see the energy that's coming off you right now, because I'm looking at the, you know, smile on your face. And, you know, and I agree, you know, uh, with our segment here, Minutes with the Mayors, we've been able to interview some wonderful mayors. As you know, there's some great municipalities out there. Um, and, but the, it's, it's very interesting because, you know, when we have the urban sprawl that's happening and I would, I, I'm going to ask you obviously about real estate because, you know, we're starting to see the effect in Orangeville where we see, you know, developers coming in. Yes. Um, it seems that
3: there's no shortage of people wanting to move to Orangeville. No, and it's very much a seller's market. And, and that's one of the things that's truly unique about Orangeville and the GTA, is that many different towns and municipalities, they're very much uh, growing as quick as they can. It's almost a wholesale or factory-style growth, as far as putting up as much as you can, as quick as you can. Orangeville's probably the only municipality in the GTA who's been able to control that. And so we do grow. We are growing. But it's a very slow controlled rate. And quite frankly, that's what our residents want. Our citizens like the town that we have. They like the small town feel. It's got a real heart and a soul and a center. Unlike many of the other towns, we have as many people come into Orangeville to work as leave. And so that helps build that dynamic of a very solid, strong community. So great point, because, um, you know, when when we talk about living
1: in areas, we talk about employment, obviously. So you made a great point saying that, you know, people are going out, but people are coming in. What kind of industries do you have in Orangeville? Who are your major employers
3: there? This is one of the great things. We have a whole bunch bunch of different sectors. So we have determined through economic development that we are focusing on food production. We're kind of ideally located between the huge market of the Golden Horseshoe GTA sure. and to the north, the agricultural farmland. So we felt that this was a, a, a smart thing to do. We have the largest producer of goat cheese in Orangeville, they call that their home. And we just recently have uh, a new quality cheese uh, that moved from Vaughan to Orangeville. And, and there's some other news that's coming out shortly. We have food production, but you know, we've also done things like we've done the engineering for these special stainless steel bolts that went on the space shuttle. We do these components to go into cars for airbags. So it is a very varied kind of industrial base, but also there's a lot of retail, there's also a lot of professional, we have Burnside Engineering, which provides engineering solutions across Canada. And you also have a very good hospital. Yes. If you were to go to just on numbers, our hospital is actually our largest employer. We're putting in a new expansion. It's heavily supported by our community through fundraising and the quality of service that's at Headwaters Healthcare Center, it's from the whole area that people are coming to our hospital. So, an awful lot of good features to being in Orangeville,
1: folks. If you're just tuning in, with me is Mayor Jeremy D. Williams. He is the mayor of the town of Orangeville. You know, we're having a little discussion, a little bit about the you know ec- economic effects in Orangeville, and of course, uh, Mr. Mayor, I'm gonna you know um, in our next segment because you've been gracious enough to say you're gonna stay with me for for two seconds. Um, you know, definitely, we're going to drill down some of the real estate. I want to know who's moving in. But, you know, when we, when we take a look at the parameter of Orangeville, you know, uh, geographically, um, you know, your I know your south end really is is Caledon. You're almost kind of extend over to Holland Marsh area. Is that is that correct? Like, Because you, you're very close to the agricultural part. So how far over? What is the parameters of Orangeville?
3: Orangeville itself, it kind of spills out over to the surrounding municipalities, as you suggest, into Mono and into Amaranth. Yeah. And there are kind of little satellite communities around Orangeville. Right. You know, we've really tried hard to keep it a cohesive community. So rather than big subdivisions, we've really tried to have it so that there's shopping, there's business, there's industry. There's a really a, a good mix, and that's been uh, very important. Our citizens also, they don't want to see lots and lots of growth. We have almost, and I am biased, but we have almost the perfect town as far as I'm concerned. I, I visit a lot of towns in Ontario, Sure. and honestly, that is such a good town. We want to make it better, but we don't want to ruin it. The big sub- subdivisions, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to see that. Uh, the provincial government has also realized our special and unique character and that we are surrounded by this rich, internationally recognized biosphere, so they want to protect that. It's very slow, controlled growth. The real estate market is a seller's market. It is fairly strong because so many people want to live here.
1: You know what? We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Um, I, you know, I'm going to ask you a few, a few questions because I w- I'd like to know what's going to happen in five years in Orangeville. I want to know what's on the town planning. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mayor Jeremy D. Williams from Orangeville. And I'm going to also ask his opinion of uh, Frank Scarpiti, the mayor of Markham, standing up for no foreign buyer tax. You know, this is one of those pet peeves that I have when uh, when the province started flirting with this and started saying, hey, let's bring it in. Let's uh, let's shut down some foreign buyers. You you know what happened in Vancouver. Well, you know what? I'm going to get uh, Mayor Williams' uh, comment on it when we come back after this. So stay with us. We'll be right Back with Simply Real
0: Estate. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And
1: welcome back. If you're just tuning in, for my guest this week, it is Mayor Jeremy D. Williams. You're listening to Minutes of the Mayor right here on Simply Real Estate. And uh, Mr. Mayor, I noticed that uh, you also carry a camera with you.
3: I have to tell you, that's very unique. <laughs> yeah, it is. As far as I know, I'm the only mayor in the world that does a daily vlog. And so what a vlog is, is just a video. So every day I, I do a new video. And I really encourage people, if they want to see more about Orangeville, they can check out my vlog on YouTube. They go to YouTube and they just search for Mayor. Jeremy Williams or Mayor of Orangeville, pretty well anything will find me. And it's really a good way for people to see what I do in a day. So it, it's not really political, it's just a informative. day in the life of... Yeah. That's right. And, and you're going to see some great shots of Orangeville. Excellent. Well, good to know that you've got that. So folks, make sure that you uh, do search
1: that out and you're going to know more about Orangeville. Now, Mr. Mayor, we were talking a little bit earlier obviously about all the positive attributes of Orangeville. One of the things in the news uh, in the last year, of course, has been foreign buyers. And um, just this past week, um, we've had uh, Mayor Frank Scarpiti out of Markham join us uh, in the right. past. And you know what? They Markham, they decide to stand up and say, listen, we don't want foreign buyer tax. And so um, I'm going to give you a two-part question here. Okay. Um, do you have a lot of foreign investors coming into Orangeville that you're aware of right now, or do you feel that it's more destiny buyers, meaning that they're coming in for the destination
3: to live there? Most people, when they see Orangeville, when they come to Orangeville, they want to live there. <laughs> okay, It's really that simple. Sure. And of course, I mean, every municipality in the GTA is going to have some of those people that want to buy it just as an investment, whether it be foreign or, or local. We, we do see that, but not a lot. It's primarily people that come to our town, often for one of our events. We have lots of events throughout the year. They come, they see it. And I, I speak to so many people who six months later, they say, hey, you know, we really loved it. Sure. We wanted to to make that part of our lifestyle and, and then they moved there. Everyone has to be careful when they start trying to control a market. We're in a free market system. And when you start putting these different taxes and, and barricades, it's never a good way to go as far as I'm concerned. I think you should let the market dictate itself.
1: You know, obviously, um, you know, last year in August, um, you know, Vancouver, uh, which, you know, most people deem to be a very overheated market, very low in inventory, a lot of foreign buyers. You know, they always said it was a lot of Chinese buyers coming into the marketplace. Yeah, it's a bit I, upside down. Yeah, I don't know if you actually had a conversation with the mayor out there in, in the city of Vancouver, but when they when they implemented it, actually we brought on uh, you know a, a few people from the marketplace and um, somebody from the opposition, and they said you know big mistake. Um, the market was already in a little bit of a uh, you know turnaround on its own naturally, and then this ended up affecting people in general. As a mayor of a municipality, um, does it make sense? I mean, you know, this was a provincially mandated thing. I personally think that the the mayor should have a little bit more control. You know, I'm a big fan of you know uh, mayors being able to because y- you have a you have a much better pulse on what's actually
3: going on yeah, than let's gonna, say a premier. If there's one person that knows their municipality well, it's right. going to be the mayor. And so that high level government sort of interference, it's always done with good intentions, but it doesn't always work out. Now, you mentioned British Columbia and Vancouver; they're under a lot of pressure from the, the Chinese bringing money in, and that's that's the thing. It's it's a way for the Chinese people to bring money into Canada is this something that we should fight against rail against or maybe the better way is to let the market sort it out as long as other peoples are bringing money into our country that in itself is a good thing I mean yeah, when sure. people throw money at you maybe you should yeah. not throw it back at them no I agree
1: and you know one of the things though is that you know there, there I think there's a huge difference and I always like to clarify this for our listeners is there's a difference between somebody that's immigrating to Canada and somebody that's a foreign investor. So somebody immigrating from China, for instance, they are setting up home, they're setting up their family, going to school, adding to the economy. Yes, And then, of course, you've got the people that are, you know, mailing address still remains in a foreign country and only have money placed here. So, you know, one of the things that I've always uh, had a conversation with most of our guests is the fact that, you know, if they're here just to speculate, to make some money to flip, then let's tax them on the way out. Don't tax them on the way in. It's okay. Bring your money in, but on the way out, if you're going to make money, we're going to get, fr- we're going to get money from it. And, yeah. and I think that that would be a positive way of doing it. But by all means, don't limit people coming in.
3: Again, you, you have to get back to, there's large sums of money coming into our country. This is a good thing. I mean, if you stand back and look at it, it's a good thing. Does it present special challenges as far as people being displaced from the, you know, the more popular uh, central sections of of a city? Yes, that is a, a problem, but you have to understand the market has ways of of figuring this stuff out. And and if enough people buy properties and they sit empty and they sit vacant, the value is going to go down and then people will start moving back in. And guess what? That money, that cash is still within our country. So from a a broader, you know, 10,000 foot view, it's still a positive thing for us that this money is coming to our shores. I wish it was coming in other ways, but at least it's coming here.
1: Yeah. And listen, investment is never a bad thing. And I know a lot of our listeners are saying, yeah, but hang on, it's driving the prices up. But You know, if we when when Treb analyzed actually the numbers, just so you know, in the GTA market, they claim that they believe that there's only about a three point eight to four point two percent of foreign investors. Period in basically the, the you know better part of the GTA market. So that's a that's a that's a number that you know most people thought listen it's got to be way higher than that. You know automatically everybody was saying oh it's got to be 20 30% similar to Vancouver, which actually almost t- tapped out around 50%. You know I'm not surprised that we don't have the same foreign investment but we've got the big immigration. So
3: everybody that comes to Canada, majority of
1: people want to land in the GTA.
3: Well, the Toronto's this huge enormous magnet. It's kind of the center of the- the country in so many different ways. So I can't imagine being somewhere else in Canada. This is the center. This is where, you know, the financial industry, the manufacturing tech, there's so many things in this area. Again, though, we get back to, you know, if you imagine everybody buys this real estate and then people are displaced because they need more real estate. So then there's more building and so that helps our economy. And guess what? There's more people employed and we're all doing uh, very much better. So I don't think that we should focus on these little blips that happen in any market. And every market does that. Every market has a little bit of a blip, but that's not going to be forever. I think we've seen that surge. It's kind of petering out and uh, I don't like meddling too much in the market. For those of you just tuning in, uh, you're listening to myself, Todd C. Slater, and my special
1: guest today, Mayor Jeremy D. Williams, and he is the mayor of the town of uh, Orangeville. Mr. Mayor, you know, one of the things that, um, fortunately for yourself, you have a good crystal ball on the town and, um, you know, looking at the next five years, what can people look towards for Orangeville? What's going to happen over the next five years?
3: I'm hopeful that we can continue in the path that we've come down so far, and that is controlled growth, making sure that any development and it makes sense for our town. I speak to developers on a regular basis that want to build in our town and I always say the same thing to them. I say if you're going to build a quality product, I want it to look really nice, you're going to have success selling it and so I want to continue along that. Where any new developments are top quality, it's going to make our town an improvement and that's my focus. Bringing those quality employers, anything that we can do to improve our lifestyle for our residents. To me that's key and it's paid dividends because people people will come to our town, they'll see it. Uh, we've had executives come for the day and then they end up, you know, moving, putting an office there, that sort of, I want to see that continuing. So I don't see a big explosive growth. Uh, the province has also said with their Places to Grow Act, that it's going to be a controlled growth simply because of our, our beautiful natural environment that we find ourselves in. Right. So the next five years is going to be a very slow, steady growth. Some of the areas to the north of us, Shelburne, Grand Valley, they're seeing exponential growth. They're growing at very high rates simply because they don't have the same controls. Orangeville's popularity, Orangeville's success is spilling out to the smaller towns around it. And you've got a lot of conservation sh- uh, surrounding you. So some wonderful areas. that Right on our
1: doorstep. Yeah, which is great because that kind of gives you that, I, I call it a hedge, but it c- gives you that protective fence. So again, it, it does, it does sustain a modest growth, not one out of control. As you mentioned, some of those other marketplaces, you know, basically we're looking at the GTA goes all the way up to Barrie, you know, in between yeah. that, um, you know, we, we we see some good infill, and fortunately, you know I congratulate you on uh, you know uh, taking care of Orangeville. You've done a wonderful job, and uh, I wish you all the continued success with it.
3: Well, thanks very much. And you are an investment expert. One thing about Orangeville is it's a very secure investment because. It's a a small area. It's not going to grow any bigger and very, very strong returns on us. Yeah,
1: I agree with you 100%. I think it's a a good investment and, you know, definitely one of those areas that, you know, I would encourage people to invest in. So by all means, thank you, Mr. Mayor. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. That was the Mayor of Orangeville, Mr. uh, Jeremy D. Williams. Awesome to have somebody on actually for two segments with Minutes of the Mayor. And hopefully this shed a little bit more light for you on Orangeville. Remember, each week here, um, you know, we're trying our best to keep uh, the mayors of the GTA coming in and meeting with us and having a chat about their each unique uh, municipalities and what is going on with them. Interesting stuff this week. Lots going on again are we in a bubble? Well, you know what? By definition, people are saying, "Yeah, prices prices are going up so quickly that they're saying it is a bubble." Uh, had a great conversation with uh, Jerry Agar uh, regarding that this week as well. You know what? My take on it is, it's not necessarily the same. You know, maybe it's a different bubble, but the question is, can it burst? Well. If supply stays low, demand stays high, there are those people that will always afford the real estate. Keep that in mind. Um, you know, you just have to make sure that if you weigh into this one, make sure that you are not overextending yourself. Yep. Yeah. I know you hate the idea that you have to overpay on something, but you know what? Don't push it. You know what? Buy something that needs a little bit of work, you know, get a little sweat equity and you'll be all set. So I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant, as usual. Thanks for keeping it simple, making it easy for me. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in this week as usual. And remember, I will be back next Saturday at 3 p.m. with Simply Real Estate. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week.